Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. On this week's episode, we hear part two of the Doc's interview with former technical director of Paisley Park, Dave Hampton, where he discusses the vault, Prince's LA house parties, Prince's influence on music, and much more. And now, Paisley Park is in his heart, Dr. Funkenberry. What is going on? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Thank you guys so much for the reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Please make sure to keep subscribing. Also, you can subscribe to Stitcher if you're not down with iTunes and you're a Droid user. We have Dave Hampton on again after a popular demand and how much you guys loved him last week. We're going to jump right into stuff because we got some stuff going on, Chris, before we bring in Dave from our studio. So you heard about the concerts at Excel. I heard this was going to happen. It's official now. They're doing these dance on till dawn when he probably would have had it be just dance till dawn. It's three nights celebrating the life, music and legacy of Prince. Come dance with us. October 12th, 13th, and 14th, the Muse Event Center. Um, you know, outside food will be available all three nights by Paisley Park's very own Whole Soul. Now they have a three-day pass, VIP admission, plus meet and greet with family, $600. And then for Wednesday, October 12th, general admission price is $31.21, plus a service fee. The early, then there's early admission plus special gift for $77.77, $77.77. Then VIP admission plus meet and greet with family, $250. Same for Thursday, exact same prices, same for Friday. Now, what is happening is you're going to have Judith Hill performing. Okay. Andre Simone performing. Love that. Liv Warfield performing. Love that. So that's cool. That is now very Now look, cool. let's just, before anyone gets out of the way, this is money going to the family. Just like the Excel Center concert, you know, for some people are going for fans and maybe a way for them to have closure. Prince did take care of his family when he was alive, regardless of all the other stuff. He found a way to get Taika money, way to get everyone else. Omar had a home that he lived in that Prince took care of to take care of their mom until she passed. Um, okay. But let's just get that out there as he did take care of the family because a lot of people are saying this is a money grab for the family. Yeah. They're having trouble right now, especially with the estate not being settled. So this is what it's going to at least know what you're getting into. And if you're okay with it, you're okay with it. At least you're getting performances from Judith, from Andre, and Liv. So one quick clarification. The meet and greet. um, The family. That's not with the group, the family. No. No, no. That's with the relatives. Right. Okay. The PRN family. Just I'm still going to call them P. All these people are doing yeah. PRN. That means something else to me. Yeah. And I'm just so It's not, not a meet there and greet yet. with Judith, Andre, and Liv. Maybe they'll add that on later, which would be, be smart. Nice. The thing be... is, is probably Liv and Andre would probably hang out with people after the show anyway. Sure. Because that's what they did. Yeah. Now, another thing that's interesting, kind of like the extended family of Prince, Jill Jones did an interview with the Huffington Post today and a few other places. Oh, I'm going to get some tea. Hold on. <laughs> Jill took your tea and she mm. spilt it. That's okay. That's what that is on the so, floor. Okay. <clears throat> some guys send you flowers. Prince gives you albums, which is true. That's very true. Now, it's a very great interview. If you check my Twitter feed and the Facebook fan page, we have it on there. What I kind of want to go into is a little quote that she made. And by the way, Jill is black. People tripped on that with the whole blonde hair doing doing stuff. 
Um, again, black comes in all different shades. Can we just stop it? I mean, I don't know who my dad is, but with how much of a influence soul music has had on me and the, the stuff that I know, I wonder. We'll just get into that. What's interesting is, and it's a very small quote, and it's kind of like you want Jill to elaborate a little further. She felt like an outcast at Paisley Park with some of the artists. It's interesting because this is kind of like before Paisley Park was even made or whatever. This has to do with Revolution Days before even the extended revolution. And she says, I was kind of an outsider to the clique. And you know, I think that once Wendy and Lisa kind of edged Des out of the picture, then it just became a bit harder. Then they created this little clique with her sister, Susanna, and just turned into these different franchises. It's interesting because we all think that Des left on his own. Maybe Des would like to elaborate with that without writing another book. Um, but even the version of Extra Lovable that we weren't supposed to hear, in the middle of it, here's Prince going, what's the matter, Des? Don't you like my band? So is there more to it? Because I know that right. Yeah, Jill's kind of a little upset that the First Avenue shows that happened a little bit earlier. Um, she wasn't invited to, but she sang on some of the tracks from 1999 era and a few other things. So she felt she should have been involved, but because she didn't really exactly get along with Wendy or Susanna, that it wasn't going to happen, that it's not about him. It's about them. I think that's where Jill was coming from. It's a very interesting interview. Not that well written. This guy maybe should have had his own podcast to kind of had some <laughs> points done. But it's interesting. And when they met in some other things, another thing that she brought up that I would like to um, bring up, a lot of people didn't know, and we kind of touched base on it before. See, Denise Matthews' vanity passed away in early 2016. Right. What they didn't know is that one of his first girlfriends from high school who was in Purple Rain. Oh, really? She's next to Jill at the bar during the whole Darling Nikki thing when Morris walks in. A little light tonight, but business isn't everything. Okay. And she's perturbed. She's in the movie. She was the inspiration for the song Bambi. Oh, really? Right. So we don't know if Kim was like that, but she did end up having a husband later on. She passed away in November 2015. And this is what Jill had to say about that, and I'll add some more things to it. She was the kindest, patient, and supportive person for him. Watching the changes that come into your life, I had a lot of empathy for her because she helped me navigate through all that bull at the beginning. She passed away before Denise, so he had a double whammy. So I know everybody is like, oh, Denise, but his girlfriend, who has been with him, lived in the same house as him, Grew up with him. That was his big crush from school. Kim was an unsung hero, in my opinion. They stayed friends throughout. She knew his family. Everything, and it was sad. She passed away from a brain aneurysm, and that saddened my heart. Saddened my heart, Huffington Post. ED on that. Here's the deal. You want to know how Prince found out about it? Hmm. They started a GoFundMe page for it because they, affa- they couldn't afford a funeral. Oh, wow. The day that he found out that GoFundMe page disappeared, he took care of it. Wow. Again, Prince being Prince. And what's interesting is around that time, I don't know if he, if people that save his tweets can find it, anyone can, that's listening to the show, maybe you can retweet it to us. 
he dedicated a Coldplay song to her. He just put Coldplay in the title. And people thought that meant since Coldplay was doing the Super Bowl that Prince was going to be involved since it was the 50th anniversary of the Super Bowl. Not so much. No. So that's where the Coldplay song came from. It was his dedication to her. It was him doing it. I don't know if the org or other sites posted about it, but it Prince got word of Kim's passing and took care of everything. Wow. He didn't attend like he normally does. But that's it. So here it is, November. She passes away, February, March. Denise passes away. Kind of is reminiscent of his parents who passed away six months of each other in 2001. So he kind of gets deaths in droves. And that was one of the things that he talked about at Paisley when he says he has conversations with people from his past when he's dreaming. Kim was one of those people. Wow. So this is before Vanity passed. This is all. I really hope those shows get circulated. This is just something that he said at Paisley Reflection. We're going to have Scotty P on here soon to talk about that. And maybe you can elaborate more uh, where that came from. Because sometimes Prince would do rehearsals and bring up stuff like that. So maybe he can touch base on it and explain to us a little bit more instead of assumptions being made what was done. Now, another thing, you know, we kind of don't want to, we're going to get some good news going here, but first, uh, Uh, you know, they are taking down the stuff outside Paisley Park because apparently they want to build a wall. Londell is saying, stop listening to all the rumors. I think they kind of want the wall so people can, they have to be inside Paisley or whatnot to take photos. Exactly. That's what I think they're trying to do. Yeah. But that's not what he wanted. And again, this is my problem with everything is not getting what he wanted. And now it's a four freaking year deal. All I got to say is these other people that are trying to attach their names to the vault or what this stuff. And again, I'm not trying to do that. I just know what's going to be involved. My main thing is, is trying to do what he would want. So, if I can involve two years down the road or four years down the road when Graceland isn't involved anymore and we get the right people involved, when when Paisley and the family doesn't need money up front, if I'm involved, the first thing that I'm doing, if they build a freaking wall, is I'm not going to be like someone else running for something. I'm going to be like Reagan going, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I'm going to have that wall yeah. torn down. If they build that wall and I'm still alive hopefully in four years time get the right people involved and they ask me we're gonna get it done so now they put on the fence you know they took yeah. down stuff yesterday now they put up stupid notes what what is the note yeah say? i've got it right here it says help us be a good neighbor please don't hang or place anything on or near the fence so they pulled everything down it's stripped clean completely clean and that's now up on See, the on the inside of the fence. They're saying that it's because the neighbors complain or whatever. I don't know if that's the case. I know is that I live kind of close where the Michael Jackson estate is and after he passed. And it's different. Uh, it's a it's a it's on Havenhurst, right by Ventura Boulevard, which is yeah. a very busy intersection. Right. The neighbors were upset about it for a while that they had to stop it. I don't know what's going on here. I mean, I'm seeing photos. There's fans by the front. There's press on the other side, but it looks like the cars are able to go to and from without anything being blocked. I just think it's also because they want to start construction for that entryway that we talked about that's going to make 
the entrance of Paisley, basically a cul-de-sac where cars enter and exit. So I think that's part of their construction. Not sure about the wall, but if he wanted a wall over there, he would have had a freaking wall. And now what we have is six more potential heirs file challenges in Prince's state case. So that's going to keep stuff backed up till January. And it puts the family into a more hard pressed situation because, again, they are talking through lawyers and not talking with each other except for maybe two. This is why Paisley needed to freaking get the contract with Graceland and get that money going out. Right. Is because the government, the IRS, is needing their money because of not finding a will. And they're not going to wait either. No. They want that money now and they yep. want to be able to control Paisley. So this is why these things are happening. It sucks, but it needs to be done. But at the same time, it's <laughs> there's a right way to do it and it's just not being done. But... As long as I'm around, these other people that are just like, oh, I want to be in charge of all that I did this, you know, and there are people lower on the totem pole than me. I don't care. See, that's not what it's about is you have to encompass everything. And I'm not trying to align myself with people that are there now. I want the people that are going to be there for the long haul that actually care and weren't in his past yep. 30 years ago. Exactly. Just saying. Yep. So 30 years ago, 20 years ago. I've been around for a long time. I know that Prince sometimes talked mess about me, talked mess about everyone. But towards the end, we were cool again. The one person that put up a wall between us wasn't there anymore. So everything was cool. And it's about having his best intentions at heart, not being, I want to be the person that goes through this stuff. I don't want to be the person, but it just seems to me that these people can't get their crap in order. So I'll step in. I don't care. Now on to good news. Cam Newton... Uh, God, North Carolina had some trouble this week, man. Um, Cam Newton in warm-ups. You know, he's, people want him to take a stand in this whole Black Lives Matter situation going on. And just like Michael Jordan, who was from North Carolina as well, uh, played for the Tar Heels, he wouldn't take a stand until this year. All those years where, where kids were killing themselves over his shoes, there was never anything mentioned. So now they're on Cam, and Cam doesn't want to do it either because he's got white fans, he's got black fans. He has to ride that thing. Of course, it's mostly uh, white people that are slamming him for his antics to Superman stuff. Uh, what's going to happen with that anyway? Just saying. But what he did was on Sunday is he wore an MLK shirt. So he's kind of like doing a silent protest, cool. maybe without taking a knee. But during warm-ups where you're allowed to wear your own cleats without getting fined. He couldn't wear this during the game, mind you. They're allowing that later in the year. But during warm-ups, he wore sneakers, since they're playing the Minnesota Vikings, wore sneakers as a tribute to Prince. And they were purple, and if you look closely, it has some of the Paisley logos. They're Paisley all over, right? Yeah, they're pretty sweet. very cool. And by Under Armour, which everyone used to make fun of, but Under Armour is stepping up their game against Nike. Yep. Be careful about that more so than Kanye's and Adidas. So that's a yeah, cool that thing. Cool. That was a cool move by him. And lastly, what I saw <clears throat> last week, which uh, Chris sent to me. Thank you for that. Um, Prince. Oh, no wonder the guy didn't copy it for me. I was wondering why I didn't copy. I didn't provide the link. Maybe I need to do that from now on. That's all I'm going to say. But Stair was nominated for NAM Tech Award for record production single. 
so it's eligible. That's awesome. Makes me wonder if he'll get any Grammy nominations since it was eligible if the people sent in the proper paperwork so right. he can get some posthumous stuff because he didn't run Phase 2 was really good CD. Um, but I love that he got nominated for that. Now, That's great. I had a link for that. No wonder it wasn't copied. Huh. I need to do that from now on. <laughs> there's the exclusive no wonder it was 359 likes on 13 retweets because they couldn't get it anywhere else huh gonna be thinking about that for now on. i'm glad he's getting these awards glad we have some good news coming on but and then we think the tributes are over no sheila's doing her own tribute 10 days later in minneapolis doing her own thing <sighs> and then today she's doing it tea was spilled by apollonia again Oh, yeah, no, yeah, Manuela. You know, she's building the schools in Mumbai. Manuela, I don't know how to pronounce Manuela it. Manuela Testolini. She's <laughs> Testolini one, Testolini two. Um, that's how sometimes they do it during Malawi. Malawi. Dang it, I can't, I can't Mumbai. pronounce it. I bet but I saw she's doing her thing right now. Yeah, she's the school, there right she's now. She's there. It's cool. So you know, Maite is doing her own book. The cover comes out. A photo from them from 1992. It looks really cool. Yeah. Um. And by the way, the Cam Newton thing, thank you, Angie of the Purple Lovelies, Angie P, for saying that in uh, to me, bringing it to my attention. I appreciate it. The article that she sent, I couldn't um, post it, so I had to get another one. The link wouldn't work. Um, so Apollonia kind of like was giving props to Manuela for this, but at the same time went after Sheila about selling t-shirts with his symbol on it, although there's a butterfly on it, then said the ex-wife writing the book. Hmm. I think that's yeah, a little, little shade. Huh? I, look, the whole Sheila t-shirts with the symbol thing, I'm not cool with. The whole book thing, he's not here anymore. That's one of those things. But you're taking advantage of his copyright with the symbols. Yeah. That's why I have mostly a problem. The Apollonia thing, we said it before a couple weeks ago, I think she wants to write her own book. I think this kind of pissed on that so she's got to wait a little bit and won't get the advance right maybe you should take note from them like we just brought them up the purple lovelies the girls all get along like maybe talk to them and privately before posting stuff on facebook <laughs> yeah i mean there's just there's just a way especially because my tame manuela um and my team and well and Apollonia were all on stage at First Avenue not too long ago. Right, right. And they, um, they seemed cool. Well, I just don't think that that thing is coming from a from a great place. I understand about the T-shirts and the symbol, and I'll stay at that. But damn, man! Like, look, if Manuela had anything bad to say, she hasn't said anything publicly. She kept her mouth shut and probably talked with my table behind the scenes. All I'm trying to say is. I'm sure Apple's could have got that number. Oh, that's all I'm trying to say. The Sheila thing, I'm okay with. Jill kind of trying to spill tea on Wendy and Susanna, I'm kind of okay with, to Wendy and Susanna, which I'm surprised Susanna hasn't responded back yet, but let's give it time. <sighs> Just so tired of it, man. Just <laughs> keeps going on and on. You know what? We have a great interview with Dave Hampton coming up. That's going to make up for it. Thank you guys for paying attention to it. That's a little bit of rundown. Sorry I had to spill some tea myself, but <laughs> dang it. 
till things are done the right way, it's going to happen. And I don't think it's going to be a short process. So you build that wall. I'm going to be the mother ducker that helps freaking tear it down is all I'm going to say. And who am I? I'm nobody except for the only person. Well, one of the only people, excuse me, let me correct myself on that. One of the only people that's trying to look out for his best interest and what the fans need and want. That's right. I know that they want me there next month, but there's too many people around that he wouldn't be cool doing this. And that's all I got to be is I got mad love for you fans. You know, we'll all grieve together one day, but right now it's just not my spot. Much love. Hope you guys enjoyed this interview coming up with Dave Hampton. Here we are with part two of former technical director of Paisley Park. Dave Hampton is back here with us. Dave, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How's it going? It's going good, man. It's going good. As we said earlier, Dave had so many stories that we couldn't just have him for one episode on it. So we're just going to dive into stuff. Have some of your questions answered, some other things that we want to talk about and elaborate more so on. Like say, because I know at one time you said that you had like two months to where you're, you're working on stuff that include the vault. Mm-hmm. What was that like and what did you see aside from like the boxes that – the cardboard boxes that <laughs> were ripped open or whatnot? Or uh, just the, that uh, – well, he – you know, we, we would work on things in particular from the vault, but the vault being downstairs – there's that room, and then there's also a room next to it with music equipment. But he would bring things up from there. As soon as we got recording capabilities back in the studio, he would bring tapes up from the vault from random different times, whatever he was feeling. Mm. And some of them were documented and had exactly on there, and some of them you just had to put up, and you had to create a track sheet there for what was happening on tape, and you had to recapture and figure it out. But somehow he knew everything that was on the tape. Oh, there's something on here. No, it's it's on here. And there was no documentation, but he knew where, where everything was on there. So it was it was it was basically his own method of of keeping the songs that were songs in progress. Right. And I, I know subsequently um, later on after when I finished and I was uh, working now with the Miles Estate, um, we had reached out to try and get through his his people because we were looking for things for the movie. And I said, you know what? I know they did some stuff that was just messing around, but it would be good exploratory just to see if he's, if he's open to doing it. But I think he was, he was busy preparing something else at the time, but I think he was behind the movie project because he did donate to the movie. He did, he did uh, donate to uh, the, uh, the Don Cheadle did a whole fundraising thing for the Miles Davis story. So it was, okay. it was good. It was good. But the, the vault was one of those places where he would bring stuff up every now and then, and it would be specific. He would want to just work on that. And then that's when we had to start getting into what condition it was in. And that's what we were talking about earlier, right. that just having a vault is, is good. But when you have a vault, it pays to have the vault in good condition. Mm-hmm. So um, while many people see pictures of the vault and they see whatever is, you know, will be dressed up to be the vault potentially, right. the reality is that it takes uh, there is some science that goes on to maintaining a, a pure environment for magnetic uh, uh, assets. And so I think that that's one of the things that is a concern for all of uh, of everybody who knows and has worked there 
and and just knows what what it is. There's a lot of tapes there, but there's also hard drives. You know, we we transitioned after after the tapes to working the hard drives, and again, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. When you keep hard drives and old technology around, the one thing we have to do that I've done with other clients is we have to keep the hardware around on hand to be able to play that technology back from an earlier time. Right. Or you have to know where you can do that. Now, there are places where you can do that, but for a lot of artists, they actually have the ability to maintain the machines and then pack them away uh-huh. and save them along with the old media. So there's a lot of things there, but needless to say, he took his time to select the things he wanted to, to pick out of there. And uh, I think one of the layers, uh, if you your guys ever get Ian on here, Ian, Ian knows in particular some, some of the classics i know we we did a, a bunch of things that we would pull out and he would have michael bland and um sunny t come over right and we would spend nights up late yeah. uh doing hours of on end recording and this was during 3121 era it was not yeah the, it's not the new power trio of 93 no and it is there's a segment in the 3120 movie, 21 movie that has not been released where Prince is in the studio jamming with Cora and Josh Dunham. And he's like, this ain't working. And then the next scene over, it's Sonny T, yeah. Michael <laughs> B, yeah. and P. And then yeah. they're just jamming and Prince is like, yeah. that's what I'm yeah. talking about. More more often so. than not, uh, that was that was the combo we saw. You know, mm. I can remember when we, when we put in... Um, when we finished putting in the studios downstairs, we went upstairs. We did the, the the dress shop where they could make all the costumes, and we did the graphics room where he could go in there and make an album cover, mm-hmm. do do all kinds of graphics and stuff. And at that point, he came down to the studio one night and he had a CD cover, fully made in his hands, and he throws it mm-hmm. across the console. He said, "We're going to work on this." Yeah. And we worked on that. And so Michael Bland, Sonny T came in and we worked all night long. We finished 10 o'clock the next morning and worked on, it was probably about eight songs. It was ridiculous because Femi Gia would tell me that Prince would tell him, okay, I need you to mix this. And before Femi would be done mixing the entire album, Prince would go, here's the artwork. This is what it's going to be. And he'd be like, what? Yeah. And I know with Ian, uh, he talked about, he doesn't know, but a while ago he met me and was just talking about like, I like I got hard drives of stuff of his. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, he's like I'm holding on to them. I still have them. So yeah. just yeah. imagine. And yeah. this is during that era between um 2004 and a half, I'd say probably 2005. No one says four and a half anymore. Yeah. Unless you're a kid. Through 2007 I hung out with him after the 777 shows with Christine. Mm-hmm. Um he was just talking about I'm just sitting on hard drives like I'm trying to give it back to him. It's yeah. not like I'm trying to hold on to him, but yeah, well, I mean, how much music yeah, would be made? It, it's so much music, and and uh, just the ability to record. I think for us, what I what I saw, and, and that was one of the reasons why I got in in particular, mm-hmm. is because um, when you have somebody and they want to create all the time, and you give them the ability to create all the time, it lessens their their challenge that they may have with with self management time. Uh-huh. Right. Creative people are really driven. Creative musicians who hear songs, they hear them already finished in their head. And so if they can get right to something and start working on it and they're and they're just then you can get somebody there and they can keep working on it with with Prince. You wanted to keep feeding him. Right. So the minute Ian would show up and he would 
get into the room behind the system. He would listen to whatever Prince had added while he was gone because Prince could still work on the system by himself because we had a drum machine, we had everything else, and he could still... Right. The whole purpose was that he not necessarily need anyone because, you know, a lot of a lot of engineers, they would design things for job security. And you can't really work like that around somebody like this. So the first thing you have to do is disengage that whole that whole mindset where you want to try and just figure out how to retire on this one client because mm-hmm. it ain't going to happen. You have to figure out how do you best service his, his need to create all the time and right. then how to make it so that. It's as problem free as possible. How to make it so that sonically you're doing the right level. Because remember, everything that he writes, he intends on performing. So he has a little bit different need in the studio. Right. You know, in the studio, he still wants to experientially be able to go there. Because that's part that's a large part of his music. You feel it because when he's playing it, it just comes out. Mm-hmm. Right. And um I think that's the dynamic part of it uh, or the improvisational part, whatever you want to call it. But that's the part where when we have to meet that and match it, whether it be with personnel or gear or whatever, we got to try and make it so that his environment is cool. So when he was doing the 3121 Vegas thing and all those things, we were trying to meet that need when he was in the L.A. houses, meet that need. I would get a call um, from Scotty and and. They would be at the airport, and he says, I'll be landing in four hours. We're going to do an Oscar party tonight. So I had mm-hmm. less than than six to eight hours to turn a mansion into a, a performance venue. Right. right. That's something that you did is and the L.A. Yeah. houses for 3121 yeah. to 77 Beverly Park. You would wire it for sound and yeah. all that stuff. Oh, I had a system. I, I had a system. Uh, I used Hollywood Sound. And I had a system that always was ready to go in a configuration mm-hmm. for everything. The minute that Scotty and I had worked before and we kind of are like hand in hand. And all he has to do is say, OK, what's this? What's this? And I kind of know how to support what he needs and give him the tools right. and then I can shape it for the rest of it. So, um, yeah, we, we designed a couple of configurations for each house so that we didn't have any issues because we knew that was a part of it. it it's not just, we're going to have a party. It's a Prince Oscar party. So you have yeah. to understand that it's, it's, it's like no other. No, <laughs> ain't no party like a Prince Oscar party because the Prince Oscar party don't stop. It right? didn't stop, and it didn't stop till no. the sun came up. So. They were <laughs> so much fun, yeah. especially the Oscar ones. Right, right, like, and the, and the beauty of it is that somehow we were able to pull it off. And at the end of the day, by the time I'm coming out, having checked everything, I'm walking out. I'm watching all these famous people file in in line, and I'm like, okay, I'll see you at three or four o'clock. Uh-huh. You know, because I, I would come back. Sometimes he would, yeah, come on back. And then sometimes I would come back, but sometimes I would just be so spent from the mental exercise. Because remember, this is somebody's home. This is mm. a this is a, a, a luxurious mansion. So, you know, we can't just bring in large gear. Mm. I had to I still have pictures and I'll get them to you. I, I had to put cases on carpets and, and guard floors because we have marble yeah. floors. They're just very nice trappings in these homes and you don't want to mess them up but you and you have to put things in such a way too where you don't you don't get in people's way one of the things he did not like was he didn't like mixers and all the typical things you see so 
when you know we did a party, it was because the mixer would be out of the way. You wouldn't know where the front of house. Scotty would be mixing from the up in the corner on the top in a, in a balcony, right? And because it was just about the show, and that's the one thing I, I liked about whenever we did something. He always had this mindset of who's in attendance and what would be the best experience for them. He really was oriented towards giving mm-hmm. whoever came in that area because that's his own private home that he's turning into a venue. But he wanted to have it be to where they weren't tripping over cables and cases all over. And I think it's I think there's something to be said for that. Now, most people wouldn't do it. Right. But I think it's something to be said for that because it's it's the pomp and circumstance of entertainment. You know, now. Was interesting to me, at least at the Boozer House. It would have been nice if Why there do you was call like it the Boozer House. I hate well, that. all right, the thirty-one twenty-one, <laughs> the second house. Okay, yeah, the, the one house. for the album. Just brought it crashing down. Well, <laughs> the one just because it was Carlos's house and his ex-wife yeah. was tripping. The only reason she sued is because he wouldn't let her get into the dang house, she and she wanted to get in. Party. <laughs> now, at those, I would have really appreciated it, even though I was a tall guy, because at that one. He didn't kind of have a stage. They would just be literally on the floor and it'd be Tamar performing and yeah. he'd be with her. But you couldn't see over certain people's heads, especially of Chris Rock or whoever well, that's, was trying to that's stand up. Because in front of that you. house had a unique feature, which was the circular dance floor. The right. dance floor with the, with the And that would be the stage. That, that that turned around. And but it was so huge and the ceiling, floor to ceiling height was so low we didn't have the expanse that we had in the other house. See the other house uh-huh. other two houses were really made for those parties because you could be shooting pool and you could glance over and see in the kitchen or you could see who was performing there and who was sitting down. Right. And the other house, you you could see, uh, you well, you had your choice because we did it subterranean. So we had a discotheque downstairs, but mm-hmm. we had also a screen down there where you could see everybody party and you could see the performance and it, you could sit down in the theater and watch the show going on in the living room. Right. So, you know, we, we tried to, to go there with it, you know, and you'd have Rashida there and the disco yeah. tech on another Oh, she floor. always had a special room. Yeah. See, and then since I already saw, uh, Prince and Tamar at the Roxy and the Viper room, and they're still kind of doing the same set list for the Oscar party. I kind of, since you couldn't see too much, but you could hear, I kind of walk around and there would be Chris rock yeah. Shooting pool with Wendy, and there would be ludicrous around yeah. all this stuff. And I thought there Matthew was Jessica Alba there. I, I, yeah, I, 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 Matthew I, I, McConaughey yeah. would love to play the freaking bongos with them with clothes on, mind yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I remember. And then one time, one time we did the it was the, the one party we did at the thirty one twenty one, and it was so it was so it was a trip because Herbie came, and so uh-huh. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> is that the jam session one? That's the jam session one. Because you had Justin Timberlake on keyboards. And you then, had when, uh, the Maroon 5, Adam Levine on yeah. there. And there was Matthew yeah. playing the bongos. Matthew playing bongos. And Herbie was playing keys. And oh. then Morris was playing keys. And then Herbie came over and started playing keys. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is like, it's, it's so surreal. And then uh, I think there were a bunch of people there but it was it was always something good i think alicia keys was there with her mom mm. and and the food was always good and it was you know it was a good good time but ryan Philippi, who was with reese witherspoon at the time he couldn't find the bathroom so he just kind of interrupted prince <laughs> while playing to ask him where the bathroom was no way. Oh my God. yeah so yeah. well you know i think parties. those those things that they were always unique and, and the people that took their time to select the homes and mm-hmm. and do all that and dress them up i mean they they you know they really spared no expense you know between uh 
uh, Ruth and her crew and, yeah. and and just a bunch of people who really just had a a knack for really doing it up the right way. And and that's kind of what you need in entertainment. You know, we see a lot of it now. We see a lot of extravagance now. But again, the thing that we miss is that we all knew at the end of the day it was going to be one of these experiences that that's so unique. People would talk about it for years because every one of them took on a life right. of their own. It was always last minute. It was never, okay, put this on your calendar, Dave. We're going to do a great party. No, no. it's We're getting on the plane. We'll see you in this hour. We're going to do a party tonight. <laughs> and Ruth would, would have the invites made and literally, like if you were watching like old Golden Globe stuff and then when yeah. Prince is taking the stage, you see these people, they're like, oh, because they, they just got the invite, like, hey, party at Prince's. They were literally just getting it at the award yeah. show. Yeah. And you'd have all these celebrities. I think a lot of like hookups, well, I've seen a lot of hookups happen at those parties. We can get into that. But I think that's where Penelope Cruz met her her dude, the, I'm Javier forgetting his Bardem. name right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. at those parties, yeah. that's where they met. And I know that Orlando Bloom, while he was with Miranda Kerr, was hooking up with a uh, rumor Willis in one of the rooms at the 77 Beverly <laughs> Park. I kind of wanted to go inside the movie theater room and see what was going on. And there was P. Diddy and Cameron Diaz kind of doing some stuff. And I went, OK, I'm out. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I'm sure there was other deals going on because you'd have like Sharon Stone and Jude Law, Jessica Alba. You have all these people like meeting in certain corners. And what's interesting was it wasn't like those Hollywood parties where people were doing drugs, except no. for Paris Hilton's stupid ass who got thrown out. That was a no yeah. drug thing. Yeah. And people were just having fun, having a good time. Of course, Terrence Howard at the night of the Oscar parties, you know, he thought he was going to win. Yeah. He didn't win. So he wouldn't even go inside. He just stayed outside. And then Ruth was talking to him for a little bit. But Ruth had her guest list and everything. Yeah, no, she, on she was point. on it. She was on Ruth is on point. I mean, I, I so, really, I really liked uh, working with her because she had a lot of class and really knew how to, how to kind of set things off in the entertainment kind of way. Right. You know, that, because you need a certain attitude in place. When you're going to service the entertainment community, it's uh-huh. not, and it's not a kiss ass thing. It's just an efficiency thing. <clears throat> and uh, we really, we really got along together, and we really worked well together. Because I like it when I would. We don't have to have a lot of words, you know. But if she needed something, because when, when in turn, when they would come to Paisley, then at that's the point at which we would interface. But you know, my concern was that while they're there, they get everything they need. So I looked at them as just how do we service you guys while you're here? Because, you know, she's his number two. So I have to be in support. I can't be in contention trying to say, well, he's here now. I'm the boss, you know, but there are people who actually get that carried away with their, their role that it it goes there. But my thing was always service, service, service. What can we do? Right. And how can we make it uh, as pleasant a time as here? Because we know if he comes, he comes to do music, but if he comes and he brings, his staff and some other people that he's got to be working while he's working. Uh But his, his desire to come to Paisley is because he wants to create. And so you have to be able to understand the pecking order, you know? And so, you know, we had to just say, well, what's, what does he have to do and how long does he have to do it? And is there a window that we have or, you know? Right. And then, and you have to communicate on things like that so that it runs smoothly. But people need to, you know, those are just conversations because Ruth had had so much experience in entertainment because I had had so much experience. We could Mm -hmm. have conversations like that and have it not be, it's not a stepping on toasting. It's just a, how do we best service this time that that this dude's got because he wants to be here. So let's make sure he's in the studio. But then if he's got an interview he's got to do, he's got a plane he's got to catch or something like that, we got to make sure we're 
beholding to that. And so I then down down the line, I pass that on to my staff and say, look, we've got a window of this, this and this. Let's get done whatever it needs to do. And let's be ready to make a CD. At all times, I had made all the rooms ready to to mix and do a CD. So push came to shove and he's working on something and so into it. But he's going to want to split in a second. I got somebody who can break off in another room start making CD of everything that's been finished for the day so that when he takes off, he's got in his hand where he's at on his ideas. Right. So that was the whole purpose of keeping the studio running the way we were running it is just to be super efficient so that he didn't have to wonder what kind of state his ideas were in. Now, the reason I asked this, because you're talking about Paisley Park, we're just talking about the L.A. parties and houses. Wasn't there like a running thing where the L.A. houses were kind of called Paisley Park West? I, I, I just uh, would just assume anything I was doing was Paisley Park West, and uh, I think probably because some of the invoices probably would end up saying Paisley on them because right. you know inevitably, and I think also my staff when when we all would come out, we we still had our our I had uh, turtlenecks and they would tease me, call them bowling shirts. And they why had to wear these bullshit? But I had uh, the Paisley Park logo on them and uh, their names. So I would just say that, you know, we're going to support this tonight. And, you know, sometimes I would say, you know, Ian, he may want to record afterward or whatever. Right. So you'd be there, you know. And at that point, I just wanted everybody to represent Paisley away from Paisley because we are, we are in fact, there for his support creatively. So, right. you know, and he, he'll ask us to socialize and, and, and that, that's, that's cool. We did. And we, sometimes we would come in our casual clothes and we would just come and party. But, um, that comes after a little while. Like I said, those things, when he extended those things to us, we all understood that that was his also a way of him saying thank you. Cause he appreciated hmm. being able to create and he appreciated the respect that we give him for, for what he does. Right. Know, we're not questioning things. Sometimes it's. The, the, it's it's a different kind of environment, and I, and I wish that people took more time today to 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 learn how to recognize it when you can see and work around people who are gifted or talented, and then you understand your job is is possibly to feed them to continue that moment a little bit longer, you know. And then if everybody did that, we could have some really great new experiences with some of the people that we see now. I mean, some of the people we were just sitting up here uh, talking about the the young lady who who's the last um, person to really be affected by his his creativity. And uh, I saw her before she left on her. We're speaking journey. of Judith Hill. Judith Hill. I saw her before she left, and I saw her perform since then. And her performance is totally it's gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. You know, just. And her delivery of songs through the roof, you know. Right. And so I can see the effect that he's had on her, and and um, it's it's that's the magic of music. If uh-huh. if anybody said, hey, you know, what's the benefit of this of this situation, and what do I take from it? One of the best things I think I take from it is that uh, working with him more than anybody else I've worked with, and I've worked with a lot, um, has given me the ability to actually see music. Right. Right. So that's real special when you can walk in and you can see it. Right. Yeah. 
Now, something that you talked about was like the clothes that you wore. I know something that we discussed off air beforehand that I want to get to is the rules. No no jeans. Well, oh, he had a no jeans policy. (laughs) Well, yeah, that was one of the, we had a lot of rules that when, when we got to Paisley that, that Uh I really enjoyed. I liked the no jeans. I I liked the no, uh, no meat on the premises. I lost, Uh I lost like 18 pounds. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it was a, like I said, it was a really good experience for me. And I had nothing but preconceived, sometimes negative expectations because of things I had heard. Yeah. And we've all heard these little stories. Oh, you can't look him in the eye. Yeah. Oh, you know, and and those things, you know, it's just. So I that, didn't have that problem. I didn't have that problem that either. And it was, and it was like, you know. wow, it was a lie. And it yeah. was, you know, so it, those are those are just things that that they don't make any sense, but. You know, yeah, we had a we had a no jeans policy, and and he didn't he didn't wear jeans. See, you know? and me at the house parties and other things I was covering, I was always dressed in suits and whatnot. Anyway, yeah. till the third eye girl era, till he was kind of going for that look. So I kind of switched my look to like hoodies and jeans and other stuff, mm. and that'd be all right. But yeah, at that time, no jeans because he definitely yeah. wasn't wearing it. Now I know other things that we talked about were. Um, like when you knew if you're going to be getting a lot of work done, depending on what Prince was wearing when he came down to work. Yeah, that's him. kind of kind of uh, you know he's a he's a Gemini. Uh, I was just sharing earlier with you guys. He's a Gemini, like my uh, my daughter Brittany. She's 27. She just recently passed as well. Um, but um, she was she was a Gemini as well. And I, in fact, I brought her down there to meet i brought both my kids in to meet him because i had been on this project and i had been flying back and forth and i was a single dad you know uh-huh. so i brought him in and i introduced my son is you know he could care less he's like oh okay hey, how you doing you know right. my daughter she just sits across the room and she stares at him and he sits across the room and stares at her they just stare at each other i said okay well you guys work it out you know because <laughs> but there were two gemini <laughs> Yeah, two Gemini's. So it's right. it's very it's very interesting that you know we lost him at the beginning of the month and we lost her at the end of the month. Oh, so, um, but but they're two angels and they watch over me every day, and, right. and so I'm cool with it. But uh, I learned to kind of look at what he was wearing to figure out who I was dealing with that day. Uh-huh. And because you have to go off of anything when you work with creatives, you go you know if I'm learning them, I learn their moves and their tells and. When they're when they're playing, I learn when they like something they do this. When they don't like something they do that. And if they like playing with somebody, they eye to eye contact. There's so many things you can learn as as in your profession right. when you watch the non musical cues, right? So I did the same thing in learning him. I was like, okay, let me see. Whenever he comes downstairs and he's wearing this, this, and this, we're gonna have it easy. But if he's wearing this, uh oh. We're going all night. We ain't sleeping, you know, know. And we all knew it. After a while, we all knew it, you know. And then sometimes he would come downstairs, and then he would call out. He would knew. I built a, a engineer's lounge, so we had a place where engineers could just sit and and chill, but not be out and about if they didn't have to. And um, he would just come over the intercom and say, uh, "Lisa Studio A" or Ian Studio A, and you know, and and so he would just call whoever he wanted for that night, and he would always want somebody different, or you know, and depending upon what it was, and you know, consequently though, you know, when we left, they probably went back because I know Richard Furch, a uh, real good engineer, and and he was the engineer in there for a while, but I talked to Richard on the phone a bunch of times, 
and a uh, real good cat though and, and richard was in there doing the thing and he was going between the houses and you know it's it's a challenge for any young engineer you know richard is, is a young engineer from germany real good engineer he does tyrese and he does a bunch of guys now but uh but um it was it's always interesting to to just try and kind of coach them through okay here's what's gonna happen <laughs> you know don't just just take it like this don't do this do this don't do this do this and you're just giving them suggestions that will help them understand and and proceed you know everybody's going to cut their own way so none of it's none of it's cast in concrete but what you do want to do is give people some guidelines so that they at least can support what's happening i always told every engineer i spoke with after i left um you know it, it, this is our last living legend right so you really need to understand that when you're engineering with him you're a part of history you know and right. if you if you take anything seriously take that seriously and treat him with care and really be into the time that you're in the room with him because he's doing something like uh, you might not ever get to see again. You know, now little did I know that that that's in fact what, you know, what's happened is that anybody who has gotten a chance to work with him, you, you, you work with somebody who that we might not see that like that again. We will see many talented people come and go, but we will not see it just like that. You know, and, and I always try and make people understand you got to realize when you watch his band, you're watching a band learn things that he already played. You're not, uh, it's, it's not, you know, when I work with Herbie in the band, I'm, I'm watching the whole band. You know, they did the album, they, you know, it's a musical collaboration. Right. Uh, this is an <clears throat> entire movement in self, right? Yeah. Expressed as a group afterward. And so if you understand that, it's a, it's, a, it's a whole nother energy that goes into translating that and making it happen. So that's that can be exciting. It can, you know, I, I really like how, how each artist does what they do so I can kind of find the beauty in it. And, you know, one of the other things, and, and I don't mean to, to, to go off course, but we were talking about it earlier. One of the other things I think that he does not get a lot of credit for, aside from his great guitar playing, is the fact that mostly all of the creative arts community owes him a big thank you because he took it straight on the chin. The whole the whole battle of ownership of artistic rights and and ownership of yourself and contractual uh, clarity. Right. He he saw it coming. He's he used everything he could to dismantle it. And I really think that that's something that everybody, not just music people, because I've now seen all kinds of different artists have more intense control over their careers right. because of what he put on the table when he wrote Slave on His Face yeah. and when he began to speak out about it. He was not just speaking about music. He was speaking about a, a bigger, bigger thing. So, you know, I just I just think that um, we're going to we're going to start to see more and more of the things that we, you know, we owe to his uh, his mindset. You know, understand he was he was catering to his own audience long before streaming was a natural word. Right. So, you know, you more than anybody understand he had already mastered the power of the the Internet relationship. And he was getting a lot of crap over it from the name right. change to <clears throat> wanting right. to release full albums online mm -hmm. and so many things and getting made fun of until this is right around the One Night Alone tour where I kind of realized, even though he was playing these small theaters, 
someone with that much talent you're not going to be able to keep down. And another thing that was interesting during that time is VH1 had this thing called the 100, and great, 100, and 100 Greatest Musicians of All Time. And Prince, who was relatively made fun of since the name change from Kurt Loder to Torre, mm-hmm. everyone, slamming him. Here comes Michael at number 40. And Prince, the only contemporary of the artist of the 80s, was sitting at number 19, ahead of Led Zeppelin. Now, flash forward to 2013 when they did the list again, Prince was number four, and at that time was the only living artist in the top five. Now, of course, people now have this deeper appreciation for Prince, and we know whenever they do that list again, he probably will be the number one artist. But I think that's kind of when stuff started changing is that a lot of artists (laughs) – and. The list for VH1's 100 Greatest Artists, the only people that could vote on that list were former Grammy winners or yeah. someone who won, who sold over a million records. Right. So then people were like, oh, no, Prince fought for us. Prince did this. Prince did that. That's when things started changing. And they're like, well, this person that we thought was crazy was actually ahead of, t- no, ahead of the time. No, he's way ahead of his time, man. When you look at it, you know, <clears throat> this leads us back to, <clears throat> again, again, I'm going to say some things that, that – Probably people aren't going to like me to say, but spill some tea. I, I, I know I, I'm spilling tea, but anyway, I don't fear not working for anybody again because I worked for enough people in my career. But uh, um, that's one of the things that I think brings us back to what we look at right now when we watch some of the ramblings of the estate. You know, we're watching record executives who, in Prince's life, would not be allowed outside the fence. Right, right. Let's and keep that we're and and let, let's be realistic about it, and 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 let's not try and and you know, uh, as the old folks say, don't pee on me and tell me it's raining. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the, these are persons, person or persons who he would not be be doing things in that fashion, right? And they're trying to fashion things in a way and and make people believe he would do that that thing, and he was his own man. You know, he operated as a free man. You know, um, on another tip that that we will or will not discuss, but if ever you guys do, we can. Uh-huh. You have to understand culturally what he meant to people of color all over the world. Uh-huh. If you don't acknowledge that and you don't look at that and you don't deal with it as a fact that he lived as a free black man, uh-huh. and if you you might not know what that means, but Someone who knows their worth and who can can make things happen. He can pick up a phone or he can have somebody pick up a phone and say, I'm uh, going to do an after party tonight. And all the, the, the streets are clogged for miles around. That's a lot of that's a lot of influence. There's a lot of power. And he in uh, his relationship to being able to wield that power and do that is is different than most people have. And so. When when that's looked at, when the delivery of his art is looked at, it, it means something to to people who are of the same uh, race because they're they're very proud. They're very they look at it and go, uh-huh. "Hey man, he's he's that's our guy," and uh-huh. and that's something that you, we have to look at. We have to look at who he represents to people right. of color all over the world. And the reason why is because you know uh, soul music, American soul music. The biggest export of this country. 
It's one of the biggest exports of this right. country. When we go anywhere and step off a plane in any country and they know we're there for a jazz festival, a music event or whatever, the thing that steps off before us is the color of our skin. They know the story of our people. And when I say they know the story of our people, they know the story of the origin of our people. And they know that what everything has been through to get us to this point where when we do have artistry and express ourselves, it's it's profound and dynamic and it means something it has feeling it has feeling because it's filled with desire and and all these other things that are part of the story you know and so i think that's just something that needs to be said and i know people oftentimes they don't want to get racial or oh play the race card but yes in the end of the day we're all prince fans and prince was fans to everybody of every color but let's also acknowledge he he was a very talented person of color and the, the 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 black community is very proud of his accomplishments, and and they they really, you know, you can't take it lightly, and and we don't as a community. Right. So I I think everybody has something to to be a fan of, and to me, I think he was a citizen of the world. You know, all these guys, their their music allows them to be a citizen of the world. Uh-huh. You know, and you think about this: anytime somebody passes away, and there's no master phone call that says, "Hey, listen." Big Ben's gonna go purple. You why don't you turn the, the, the you know the pyramids purple? Why don't you? Do, there was no massive phone call that went out. There was nobody who called Londell and said, "Hey, can we do this?" There was nobody who said, "Hey, what is the family gonna think?" No, because he belonged to the world. Right. He made himself available. He touched the world, and so you know. And that's no disrespect to Londell. So don't get all excited. No disrespect to family. Don't get all excited. Yeah. I'm using it as an example to just show you that some things are understood by the world community who he made himself available to with his art and who he influenced with his art and his emotion and his feeling that it just goes without saying, man. It goes, you know, and that's that's probably the whole reason why we 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 have everybody from the former workers to band members to everybody who and to fans who who just seek Solid closure, right? To all the Radio Rahims of the world. <laughs> exactly. To everyone else. Like, look, he did belong to the world. Yeah, he did. But he never forgot. No matter what Nelson George thought back in the day, saying that Prince lost touch with his blackness. And Prince no, was offended by that. And that's why the Black Album was created. However, in recent years, as we've seen, as more and more black people are being shot down for stupid reasons. Yeah. Um, and him being behind the Black Lives Matter, Black mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter right. movement of him saying, you know, records records still matter and books yeah. still matter, like Black Lives still matter, yeah. huge thing. He never forgot where he came from and kept fighting for them. Yeah. So yeah, he belonged to the world, yeah. but to the black community as well. He never lost touch with that. Yeah. Some people may have thought that, but that's. Far from the truth. Yeah. From his afro yeah. to everything. Yeah. And and just, you know, just so we can put a period on the end of that sentence, that's why uh, for for my time there, for what was going on, I I purposely wanted to him, him to experience uh, black recording knowledge. Uh-huh. That's why I had a, a cast of everybody who was from every side and every, every different label experience that we could 
So if I could bring somebody there who was part of the Motown, I'm going to bring somebody part of Motown. If I'm going to bring there somebody from the Quincy experience, I'm going to bring somebody from there. If I'm going to bring me from jazz, if I'm going to bring Ian from hip hop, if I'm going to bring, you know, Lisa from the local uh, community stuff and into what was going on in, in the youth culture, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to bring all those together and put them together because he had never had that. And part of working with creative people is feeding them dishes they've never had. Mm. because you can't feed him the same thing all the time. I can't go to reenact and say, ooh, let me find a Paul Peterson. Let me find a Ricky Peterson. No, those guys are those guys are entrenched, man. They did what right. they did, but, you know, they left their marks so much so that, that when we hired Lisa, one of, the, one of the things that we found out was that Paul Peterson was her teacher. Hmm. Yeah, See? yeah, and, and, and so world. the reason why it worked was because interlaced in her education was Paul Peterson's time with him, interlaced in that was was uh several other people who were key to to his early beginnings i'm trying to think of um oh man the first engineer he, he passed away he was the head of ipr uh tom tucker tom tucker was our other teacher and so that was real important to me to include this chain of discovery of the local people because that was that was the whole thing it, it it you really have to be into uh understanding what your role is as a catalyst you know you're trying to you're trying to feed them but at the same time you're trying to spawn them on with something new because we we know all the ideas come from them inside their head and they're finished the only thing i can do is is offer different technical things to support what they're doing, but I can bring different people to the experience who come from different backgrounds. And that one concept right there is what will help you create in any setting. Now, for me, I have engineering staff I bring. If I can bring musicians, I did that too. And we, you know, if we had to reach out, we did. I mean, when we had to reach out to the community, we reached out to find some local talent. Well, who did we find? We found, uh, the young lady who ends up being king ends up being you know right. in the group king you know but this was before there was a group called king and this is when she was on her way to school but we needed somebody to fill a role and she was somebody who was a known quantity at the local level and so those kinds of things give you those looks that later on down the line he sees and so you never know you never know but part of our job is to be aware and i think for for myself at least in 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 all this and as we talk right now today uh i was just sharing we, we just lost another uh one of my clients a guy named kashif okay yeah and so um part of our job and our responsibility when we get the opportunity to work with people like this is that we it, we have to learn how to recognize the next one that comes along so if we're not keeping our eyes open to see the next prince or the next kashif or the next we're not doing our job because our job was to have the privilege of being around them to recognize the characteristics, you know. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that we discussed before off air, before going on, we wanted to make sure that we talked about was how you how you, you guys made Paisley pay for itself. Like first there was 200 employees and it got down to six. How did that all come about? Well, part of uh, fixing Paisley was understanding how it, it started out and what it was doing when it first was there. Um, when the f- facility was first built, it was two recording studios and then everything else 
the sound stage and the rehearsal areas, the offices and everything that was there to support the touring. And then uh, off of just doing research while I was there just to find out what had gone on over the years, I could see that it had, it had grown in size and shrunk and grown and, and shrunk again and, and had gone through all these renditions. And so uh, when we finally got it up and running and we were, we were walking around just touring everything that we had added, you know, we were walking upstairs and we we're looking over the area that has his symbol right in front of the little kitchen area. And he said, you know, I said, I used to look down from here and I would see a Christmas tree. And he said, I don't even celebrate Christmas. He said, but I would see a bunch of people all around the tree and presents. And he said, uh, you know, every time I went on stage, you know, that was the pressure was on my back. You know, I said, you know, I said, I, I said, you know, I never really thought about it like that. And, and I, I said that, but I, I understood exactly what he was saying is that, you know, with that, you know, he, he's given the responsibility that that all these things that he's not connected with are now connected with him. Right. And so by the time we finished our exercise in, in of, of refitting the place and bringing more rooms online, it took probably six of us to run the facility. And so it didn't take 200. And, and so but we could service the needs and create and do what we had to do. Now, granted, everything that was going on there when it was the 200, it was, you know, it was right out of the gate. Right. When he was new, it was new. Entertainment was what it was. Budgets were what they were. And um, the typical the typical uh, monetary food chain existed. The trickle down existed at that time for those grand also experiences you know and and since then entertainment has changed drastically you know you can you know you can visit the top you can't live at the top right that's that's the way i put it (laughs) you know the way that the the entertainment business is it costs so much to live at the top you can only visit there when you're when you're hot right and and what you can do is you can hope to arc your career in in so many times that you reach several peaks that you visit the top several times but you cannot live at the top you cannot you cannot own property at the top you cannot <laughs> you start building a house at the top it is too cost ineffective and if you think about some of our more iconic folks you know uh, michael and some of the others you you know the the dollar cost averaging what it took for them to exist you couldn't do it and by today's standards. And so you see how drastically the entertainment model has changed and we've downsized on on kind of what what a superstar is and what you know, even what a superstar is responsible for delivering, right? You know. Right. So it it's it's gone through some changes. But part of the pay part of the Paisley pay for itself was that we wanted to exist, we wanted to make all these changes count not only for his music, but to be able to be attractive enough to bring in corporate clients. And like I said, Last time, that's where uh, Christine uh, was, came in, and she she successfully was able to market the facility to to Target Corporation, whose corporate headquarters is in Minneapolis, and to uh, Best Buy. Same thing with them, and to NASCAR as well. They reached out to us to do commercials, mm. and we did uh, a bunch of videos. And we also were working out some things with the U.S. Tennis Association. We were talking to their multicultural uh, director. And we were trying to do some things with uh, some of their tennis stars, bringing them in there and working with Sport Court and some other people. And, you know, we had a bunch of things that were slated. We all had folders of full of uh, concepts that were on the drawing board 
for things and activity that were going to be centrally located and Paisley based that allowed people to touch the experience of Paisley Park and and have it do something for them. You know, we, we had some real good, you know, we, we particularly had some real good stuff that we were doing, educational stuff that was really off the chain. And, and uh, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I, he was way ahead of his time and, and just the ability to even talk about it and even the way he curated the conversations was was good uh, because like i said the freedom i had coming from herbie's to be able to sit with somebody and talk you know nowadays if you're in a relationship like this and you go to sit and talk creatively with somebody who happens to be an artist usually what happens is typically somebody will lawyer up so fast it turns into a real ugly setting right and so for me i never really had that problem because i understood part of why i'm there is to have these conversations it's not to oh oh i own that i own that well half that's mine you know (laughs) you know and then this is the attitude that's prevalent now this is why a lot of a lot of uh co-working together doesn't work automatically now and that goes for writing and and just idea sharing everything because there's so much of this siding up because people just want to automatically get to this this is mine. This is your, and, and it's like, wait, you got to get the idea to germinate it. See if it's even going to take. Let's right. see if there's even something here. And in order to do that, you have to have just dialogue. And sometimes you have to have a safe place where you can have a conversation. Right. You got to remember, guys like him don't really have too many people they have conversations with. Right. So if you can have a conversation, sometimes that can go a little bit further because it keys you in on ideas and things, and then he he'll say something that spawns us on, you know. He he'd say a, a bunch of things, and some of it would be for Ian, and he would get it, and some of it would be just for me, and and I got it, and it spawned me on in different things I was doing in my life, different things I studied when I watched him attack the business and and do the the things he did to to outmaneuver a business that had always maneuvered to get the best of him, right? I, I, I'm just in amazement when I would watch that happen. I'm like, man, this guy is good. He's good. You uh-huh. know, you, you, you can't. I, that's why sometimes when I hear people talk and they don't know my relationship with it, I'm real quiet. But then when I hear people say, oh, he's crazy. He did this. He did. And I say, you know what? I would love for you to say he's unique. I would love for you to say anything other than he's crazy because he's not crazy. You don't get to be right. doing that, being crazy. What you are is you're aware of a lot of things and you're you're also somebody who has a vision and you're trying to carry it out so you know i i I think we we after we after we analyzed it all of us individually for what we saw and what we loved not only the songs but him and and what he presented everywhere with his entertainment you know we've got so many lessons that we're going to see that come from this and it's impacted the world all around on how people function inside of this whole concept of monetizing oneself right we are at a new paradigm of monetization for your own person because he existed right you know and that's and that's never going to go away but we have to be the ones who point out hey you know what he did this back there and you know what that opened the door for this you, know, you wouldn't be thinking like that if you didn't do this. You wouldn't even be looking at your contract. You'd be okay with that 360 deal, right? Now you're like, <laughs> you know, hmm. how many people would still be okay with shitty deals if he wouldn't have said, "Hey, look at what you're signing." Right. You know, he was teaching Mariah about that when she signed yeah. the largest deal, and 
Like, well, if you're making, if you're selling this many records and so forth, you kind of are getting screwed in the deal. And that's when she was kind of hip to it. It was like, damn, he's kind of right. I thought yeah. I had a good deal. Yeah. Of course, she found a way out of that deal and she wasn't selling what she used to sell. But something tells me a little bit yeah. that she kind of didn't want to promote as much anymore after she found out that, oh, I'm getting this great deal, but... In actuality, she's getting paid for previous sales. Yeah, I think he made a lot of people, and and when I say that, I'll even say a lot of people who experienced and had deals and had careers, as well as newbies. Mm -hmm. He made a lot of people look Mm -hmm. at how they, they, how do you just interact with management? Let's just just take Mm -hmm. one step further. You know, management works for you. Just like at that time when he was doing stuff. Michael Stipe was trying to talk to him and because Michael recorded an album at Paisley Park out of time. Mm-hmm. And then Pink, these are other people that wanted to talk with him. And mm-hmm. he was just kind of through this attitude around that junior masters. And Michael was like, no. And Pink was like, no. And he's like, well, I got nothing to say to you. He didn't want to talk with him. Right. That was kind of like a little bit of a punishment. You know, well, when you then get they go, to well, why'd he ask that? Right. <laughs> well, you got to go to then, school now. Yeah. Then Michael was like, what a jerk. But then Michael, a few years later, was having his own battle with Warner Brothers Records. Right. So right. Right. quite see, interesting. But but that. but but I would love to have all those artists recant or step up to the thing and say, you know, I really wasn't hip to this till this happened. Right. And and see, that's the part where I love for people to come in afterward and, and pick it up and, and continue it and say, you know what, I would never have looked at this if he hadn't said that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and that's just nice to acknowledge because that's the part where you really want to to really look at what right. he did away from the guitar, what he did away from the microphone, what did he do away from the stage? Well, he he did a lot. He analyzed how this 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 uh, imbalance in 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 relationship was going, and and how many different formulas existed to create the same result of an right. imbalance and he tried to straighten it out in many different ways and 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 every time he created a new way they would create a new set of rules now you know mm-hmm. you're really unique when they create right. rules to undo what you just did right so you know i think i think that's you know that's gangster man see that's how we go <laughs> Now, is there anything in closing? Because we loved having you on. I'm thinking we're gonna have to have you on Amen. another time. <laughs> you know what? I, you know? I, I, I just any anything that the fans want to know and just write in. Again, right. I'm I'm not connected with the museum in any way, and nope. sorry, I'm not. Um, but I, I if For you want to know, being. if you want to know the truth about things as I know them to be from the the years that we were there on, or the reason why we built some of the things we built and changed mm-hmm. uh, the face of Paisley Park's creative side. Let let uh, Doctor know and and send him all your questions and whatever you want to know. I you know right. I'll try and share it with you and you know I'm 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 here. I I just think it's it's a good place, a safe place for us to talk. And I'm I encouraging everybody that. that I work with to uh, to do that as well. We'll have some real good conversations with Scotty and some of the other people yeah. coming up because because those are the real things that that uh, count. Us the, the if we can share the time that we shared making. The music that everybody enjoys. Right. Scotty wants to be on. We'll have him on. I think you and Scotty should be on at the same time and time as well. So that's going to be great. Yeah. But 
you know, thank you so much for being here. Hey. Hopefully the fans are enjoying this one just as much as we are. They are. They are. I, I, I think so. I appreciate you guys. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, this show, like I said, this this show comes on us uh, losing Kashif. So let's all say a, say a big uh, prayer tonight for Kashif. Kashif. Much love. Powerful dude, man. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Dave, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Kashif. You're in our prayers, thoughts. Thank you so much, everyone. Much love. Keep it funky till next time. Show me what you got. Show me, show me what you got. 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 Show me what you got